Dissection of the human body dates back to the time of the ancient Egyptians. But this form of medical study was not common practice in the United States until the 1740s when the University of Pennsylvania taught America's first formal anatomy course. While this ushered in the era of modern medical education, it also created a grim reality. The suddenly expanding need for cadavers outpaced the supply source. How would this rapidly dwindling supply of dead bodies be replenished? Whether it's history, crime, or legend, Stephanie Hoover has that story. As gruesome as it now sounds, 1790 federal law allowed judges of murder trials to include dissection after execution as part of the sentencing. Unfortunately for medical colleges, however, there weren't enough executed killers to meet their scientific needs. New York broadened the dissection pool to include the bodies of those hung for burglary and arson. In the 1830s, Massachusetts became the first state to allow scientific use of unclaimed bodies of those dying in hospitals, poorhouses, and prisons. By 1958, 44 states enacted laws allowing institutions teaching health sciences to receive and dissect unclaimed corpses. During the period between the mid-1740s and late 1800s, however, the fear of grave robbing was both widespread and justified. In many cases, body snatching for purposes of scientific study was met with a wink and a nod by law enforcement. Most of the resurrected bodies were those of poor people whose families lacked influence or stature. But grave robbing was not a victimless crime. Each time a burial site was desecrated, loved ones' fond memories of the deceased were destroyed. The pain was particularly sharp when corpses of children were removed from their graves, a hideous act that happened more frequently than most wished to imagine. Like their British counterparts, American college faculty were well acquainted with professional resurrectionists whom they paid, at the turn of the century, an average of $15 per body. Large cities with more than one medical college had a particularly high need for dissection corpses. It was not unusual for medical students themselves to rob freshly dug graves. In 1896, two Dartmouth students pleaded guilty to charges of body snatching. One was fined $1,500, the other $2,000. Like the notorious English murderers and resurrectionists Burke and Hare, some enterprising American body snatchers also took proactive measures to increase their inventory. In Cincinnati in the late 1880s, a husband, his wife, and their daughter were killed for the specific purpose of selling their bodies for dissection. The most bold and disturbing American case of body snatching occurred in the spring of 1878. On May 25th, J. Scott Harrison, former congressman and son of 9th President William Henry Harrison, died at his home in North Bend, Ohio. 
Recognizing the threat of grave robbery, the family buried him with utmost care. The grave itself was brick-lined. A box was next inserted into which the secured coffin was placed. A large slab was then laid over the top two-thirds of the grave while a smaller slab covered the lower end of the coffin. Precautions even included the hiring of someone to stand guard for several days after the burial. But even with all of that, the family's fears, it turns out, were justified. During Harrison's interment, they discovered that the body of a relative buried just days before had been stolen from the family plot. The day after J. Scott Harrison's funeral, his son and grandson went to the Ohio Medical School looking for their cousin, Augustus Devon, certain that this is where they would find the body. A search of the school's fourth floor dissection room yielded nothing, but Harrison's son noticed an open shaft and within it hung a taut rope. Together, the two men hoisted up the load only to make a shocking and gut-wrenching discovery. Dangling by the neck was the corpse of the Honorable J. Scott Harrison, buried less than 24 hours earlier. He was naked and the long beard for which he was well known had been hastily hacked away, but he was still easily recognizable. The janitor of the Ohio Medical College was arrested, but the school faculty rapidly raised and posted his $5,000 bail. Shortly thereafter, the body of Augustus Devon and 39 other corpses were found in a vat of preservatives at Ann Arbor, Michigan's medical school. The Harrison family filed suit against both colleges, but in June 1878, a grand jury failed to indict the schools on charges of complicity in grave robbings. Regardless of the legal finding, the public was outraged. Acknowledging the need for medical research, in 1881, the Ohio legislature passed the landmark Ohio Anatomy Law. This made it legal for medical students to receive and utilize all unclaimed bodies for dissection and medical study. It marked the beginning of the end of the professional resurrectionists whose horrifying services were gradually replaced by legitimate means of supply. Yet, while these new laws helped diminish the fear of grave robbing, it did little to spur acceptance of dissection. Many, even in the 20th century, considered dissection and even cremation synonymous with desecration of human remains. But in the 1970s, a series of exposés of the funeral industry helped make the act of donating one's body to science far more acceptable. A Federal Trade Commission investigation revealed such troubling practices as price-fixing, pre-burial swapping of expensive coffins for much cheaper ones, and funeral directors who retrieved and sometimes embalmed corpses before hospitals had even notified the family of the deaths of their loved ones. For many Americans, this presented a clear choice. Either pay exorbitant fees and perhaps become the victim of a whole new breed of body snatcher, or let licensed medical colleges make use of loved ones' remains to create a better future for us all. Today, it is no longer just the criminal element or the financially disadvantaged whose bodies serve to advance medical science. And those who make this unselfish donation 
are buried with the honor they deserve. Well, that's my story about the history of body snatching, part three of my six-part Halloween celebration. Were any of your ancestors victims of this practice? If so, email me at hoovercoms at gmail.com and share the details. If you'd like to chat with me about this or other episodes of my show, please consider joining one of my two brand spanking new Facebook groups, Old Fashioned Crime or Ghosts, Monsters, and Myths. Links to both can be found at stephaniehoover.com. And one last personal favor, if I might ask, please hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. It's a simple act that has a huge impact on the growth of my podcast. As always, this is Stephanie Hoover thanking you for listening and reminding you, it's a crazy world out there, so till next time, be well, be happy, and be kind.